your Bible and uh, open up to 1 Thessalonians. <clears throat> That's what we're going through. You know, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in the, the first 12 verses there. Okay? And the, the message title that uh, you'll see in your bulletin, I titled it Faithful and Pleasing to God. And you see the word faithful behind us here. And uh, um, in the first three chapters of Thessalonians here, the word faith is used seven times just in the first three chapters. And uh, we want to be faithful and please God and our Savior. And so um, that's what we're uh, going to be talking about today. And, and we got some things here to think about. It's going to be pretty cool. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that is, indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. A lot of things there that uh, uh, Paul is talking about here to us that we can put to use. But what I want to do now after reading that, let's ask God to Help us learn what we need to do in our lives. Um, you pray along with me, okay? Pray along with me and you ask God that today his spirit and his word will give you something that you need to know. Because if you ask him that, he'll do that. Maybe you're afraid to, but what I say is don't be afraid to because it's going to be good, the things that he has for us. So let's pray, okay? Father, as we come this morning, God, we are thankful that uh, you're our God and that you gave Jesus to die for us and pay for the sins that would have separated us from you. Thank you for that. And God, there's, there's things in our lives that creep in to our hearts and our minds and, and can drag us down. It's called sin. And Lord, and sometimes sin has been in families, uh, our families are things for generations or people that we work around and stuff, things that we accept that, uh, God, we, when we look at your word, we know better. 
So we're asking this morning that uh, you'll put us on the right paths because we want to be faithful to you. We want to be pleasing to you, God, that uh, you would look at us and um, even in our brokenness that you would smile at us in our lives knowing that we are trying um, to do your will and that the things where we fail along between your grace and your love uh, brings us over the top. Thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So reading those 12 verses that we just read in chapter 4, we're going to explore these verses a little bit in depth and uh, what Paul has written in his letter to the Thessalonians. But what I want us to realize that this, this, these words apply to us today. And we'll see, um, we'll see as we go through this that the world we're living in, the, the application of this is just as much relevant as it was when Paul wrote it to the Thessalonians in Thessalonica. And um, it's going to help us to be a sanctified and faithful person that God wants us to be. And I'm intrigued by the first three words of the chapter. So if you look there at the top and in the English Standard Version, and if you need a Bible there in the seats in front of you, you can find one to look at this. But he says, finally then, brothers. Isn't that an interesting way to start the chapter out? Finally then, brothers. We could just skip past this, but let's kick this can down the road a little bit, okay? Uh, years ago when I worked at the sheriff's office, I had an undersheriff that I worked for, and um, he, he was my day-to-day -day boss, really, that, uh, when I was working there, and um, I answered to him. And many times he would start the day off. He, we would be there during day shift, pretty much the same time period on my shifts and stuff during the week. And uh, he would start the day off and we would discuss some work-related things. And uh, he would often give me my march and orders, kind of, I guess you would say, for some of the things that needed to be done. And uh, quite often he would look at me and say, and I'll tell you something else, okay? And when he said, I'll tell you something else, it was time for me to pay attention, okay? Uh, something I needed to know or accomplish, things that were important or maybe even imperative to do. And uh, usually if that, if when he had something else to tell me, if that required something from me, that told me, well, if there's one thing I get done today or in the next couple of days, it's going to be that because he's going to come back and check on that, right? And uh, uh, sometimes he'd just be talking about some things that needed to be that maybe was involving other people. But what I, the reason I bring that up is I, I read these words finally then, brothers, here in chapter 4, and I can't help but think that Paul is saying, okay, pay attention, okay? So he starts off that way, and then the things that follow, we need to pay attention to. 
So what is so important? Well, that's what we're going to find out. It would be easy just to read past this and miss out uh, what is pointed out here by Paul to the church people in Thessalonica. Um, So let's read verses 1 through 8 again. Okay, now think, think of it now as we read this, and what are we going to pay attention to, okay? Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, and no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Now, as we look at that, you see, is there something we need to pay attention to? Yeah. Uh, Paul commands him, he says, keep walking and pleasing God as they were doing, and he commands them on that. Then we see what God's will is for us in verse 3. Interesting, though, uh, that this is what is called out by Paul to abstain from sexual immorality. Now, there's a lot of other sins that could have been brought forward. And and if you're familiar with the Bible, sometimes there's a good list of different things that we got to be aware of and stuff. But here, this is getting called out in particular. And so remember... It's something we need to pay attention to, too. And so we think, why is that? Abstain from sexual immorality. Is there any application for that today? I think so, don't you? Wouldn't it be nice to pass this by and say, well, the people in Thessalonica, they were messed up. You know, they must have got tied up in sexual immorality and stuff. Poor Poor bunch of knuckleheads, right? Wouldn't that be easier to think? But uh, I think it's fair to say in today's world, uh, we're messed up too, right? Would you agree with me? Nod your head if you'd say we're messed up, yeah. And uh, um, this applies to us today just as much as uh, Paul writing to the Thessalonians here. But control our own body in holiness and honor and not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Um, Some of the different versions use the word pagans, but the fact of the matter what Paul is calling out is people that are doing things, but they don't know God. Um, Paul's writing to the people who have been taught the things of God And he uses the negative of people's behavior who do not know God. You see what I'm saying there? He's using the negative from 
people that are just going along. There's no thought about what would God have me do or not do. Um, And this is difficult because how do we reconcile or justify our behavior as Christians who know God and have his word? We have his word for direction, but we want to do the things that people who do not know God do. See what I'm, where I'm going there with that? That's a toast stomper for me and you. For all of God's children who say they follow him, we, we need to live our lives in this way that uh, we pay attention to these things and that we veer away from them, we abstain from them, we don't let them let this creep in on us. And we might ask, what is controlling our own body? Well, I'm glad you asked that, okay? <laughs> what is controlling our own body. Um, God's Word has the answer. If you want to look at Galatians chapter 5, starting verse 18. I hear some pages rattling, so I'll wait for a second. Galatians 5.18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Okay? Here's the works of the flesh. Here's what people that don't know God or don't consider the things of God, they're just plunging along in life. Here's some of the things that happen. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Fits of anger, does anybody here get mad besides me? Um, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We see faithful behind us on the wall. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So see, does that answer the question? God's word does there, doesn't it? Um, you see the difference though of being led by the spirit and following the flesh, that's our own desires. In our world today, we see a different meaning of controlling our own body. We do not, uh, we do what we want when we want to, con and controlling our body is doing whatever we need to do to cover the consequences of choices we made that God would not have for us to do. So see, we don't have control of our body, and then situations come along, and then we 
want control then in that. I think you know what I'm talking about. But we're all guilty of sin and doing what we want to do, and God has a better way, and we see it in the fruit of the Spirit that was listed there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, controlling our body. Then in verse 6, says that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Well, this is interesting because not only do we wrong ourselves in the sin of sexual immorality, but the person or per, the other person or persons too. Uh, we need to be careful not to forget to consider what Paul's telling us here, that we wrong others with, with this immoral activity and God considers it wrong and we have responsibility in that conduct. Okay, um, Paul finishes verse 6 by telling us because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. And as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, he says. So he's an avenger in this and Paul had talked about this before. But uh, go to Romans, the book of Romans chapter 12 and let's look at verse 19. Romans 12, verse 19. Here's what Paul says here. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Okay? So, God will repay uh, Paul also writes later in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. See, we, we see that... Uh, written there for us to consider. And then in verse 8, it's interesting that Paul says that he disregards not man, but God. So, you know, whether it's as God's people, you know, and we do things that we shouldn't and we got caught up in sins, it's not... Um, man that has rules and you know there's in today's society and the different world views that there are there's people that don't they they think christian people are telling them what to do and how to run their lives well and oftentimes as christians we come across that way that we're trying to manipulate somebody or tell them the way they need to to lead their life but what what we need to do is lead them into the things of God where God's Word can work on them, right? And God's Spirit can work on them. Because uh, uh, if you're here this morning and something comes across your ears or your eyes in seeing God's Word here and what it has to tell us, if God's Spirit comes into our heart and our mind and says, geez, Deanie, what are you doing that for? And, or 
and I'm thinking, man, I, you know, I'm without excuse. I see that. I have to make a change. See, that's a good thing. And that's, that's what we want to do with people as Christians is not beat them over the head with things. We want to introduce them into something that is going to be way different. But it can save them. It can save their soul because that's what God does for us. Um, but I, thinking about disregards, not man, but God, this brings up something that we need to look at closely. Remember, if you were here last week in Phil's message, he had a quote from Warren Wearsby, and we're going to have the slide back up here. Uh, and Phil read this last week. The white throne judgment will be nothing like our modern court cases. At the white throne, there will be a judge, but no jury a prosecution, no defense, a sentence, and no appeal. No person will be able to stand to defend himself or accuse God of unrighteousness. Now, that should make a chill run down your spine a little bit because um, that's completely different than our system of law and order, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can tell you from my experience after spending lots and lots of time in the courtroom during the 20 years that uh, I worked at Lincoln County Sheriff's Office, the courtroom is an interesting place. Um, the judge, prosecution, probation, witnesses, expert witnesses, jury, uh, so much is required to figure out if someone is guilty or not guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. There's a lot of stuff that happens. You've watched TV and many of you have been involved in court proceedings and stuff, so you know some of the things that we're talking about. But one of my favorite court proceedings was a bench trial. This was a court proceeding where the defendant waived the jury and requested a trial in front of the judge. The prosecutor and the defense presented the case before the judge and the judge determined the guilty or not guilty verdict based on the information that was presented. Uh, it cut down on so much of the theatrics of a jury trial. Yeah, it did. Uh, uh, I, I enjoyed those most of the time. Unless you got thrown under the bus by the judge, that's not good. <laughs> and that happened sometimes. But, of course, the key to this uh, process of a bench trial is a fair and impartial judge who follows the letter of the law. But still, errors can be made because we're dealing with people who are not perfect, huh? And someday, we'll be brought before the perfect judge the one who is our creator, our Lord and Savior. No misjudgments, no loss of facts or information. Only truth will be considered. There will be no mistakes, no appeals. God will judge everyone fairly and justly. Guilt or innocence beyond a shadow of any doubt. You know, and uh, we'll be able to either be with him or be separated from him 
you know, that's the fact of the matter there. Isn't that interesting to think of? Um, and our thanks as God's people be to Jesus our Savior who paid the price to rescue us from the declaration of guilty, okay, and separation from God. And turn to, um, um, we're going to look in Colossians 2, Verse 13, Colossians 2, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your faith, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, and he set it aside nailing it to the cross. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Jesus paid the price to rescue us from the declaration of guilty and separation from God, and our debt was paid and nailed to the cross. Yeah, this is a good point to say amen, right? Yeah, amen. Isn't that cool? Paul goes on to commend the Thessalonian people for the love they had for each other and uh, that they had learned from God. And isn't it interesting here that, that uh, Paul gave God the credit for the love they had? To me, as I read through this, it was interesting to me because Paul mentions earlier in the previous chapters the role that uh, they had ministering to the people in Thessalonica, the the believers there, and it makes me smile that Paul understood that love comes from God and uh, gave him the credit for the love being shown in the people's lives in um, Thessalonica. I think that's, that's very appropriate. Paul understood that and gave God the credit for it. And in verses 11 and 12, Paul says, to, and this is back in Thessalonians chapter 4, to live quietly and mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. That's good advice, isn't it? Yeah. And then to help us along the path of being faithful and pleasing our God uh, with our lives and the things we do as believers. Listen to these words in Romans chapter 6. And we're looking at verse, starting in verse 12. It says, let sin, therefore, let, excuse me, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God and those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a cool thought? Um, we want to be used by God for things that are good. Um, 
the passions of the world, the desires we have in the flesh can be put away with the help of knowing God's word, the spirit helping us in this life, and asking Jesus, our Savior, to keep and guard our hearts, protecting us from falling into the traps of sin that Paul explained to us so well here in this book, this fourth chapter of Thessalonians. So if you're here today and are tired of living in the things of the world and the things the world has to offer and you want more in your life, and just ask the Lord to help you, okay? Those are the things that he is waiting to hear, a cry of help from us. And come pray with somebody and bring your request before God through his son, Jesus. And if you're concerned about a family member or a friend and you want to pray with someone, come over to the prayer room there. I'm going to have Steve, one of our elders, be over there at the door during the invitation song. And... Uh, Come over to the prayer room and he'll pair you up with someone to pray along with you. Or if you have questions about our church or baptism or membership or those things like that, come over here and get your questions answered. And um, what I want to remind us is let's be faithful and pleasing to God that he would look at us uh, in a good way and smile at us knowing that we're trying to do the things that Paul has talked to us about this morning here. So uh, go ahead and let's have a prayer, okay, as the worship team comes up. Father, um, we're thankful, God, uh, for how much you love us and, and for these words that uh, you put in Paul's mind to relate to us and God, we live in a world that uh, wants to drag us down and ruin us. And so we'll, uh, we're asking for your help. Will you use your word and your spirit to put us on the right path of life, God? Because we know that uh, when we ask you that, that you will answer that prayer. And thank you that all these things will happen and come through your son, Jesus. So that's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.